Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. Uh, We are in the series, we're actually concluding the series Rehab this morning. So if you have a Bible with uh, you, if you need a Bible, there are Bibles underneath the seats in front of you. Uh, Please take one of those out. Uh, If you don't have a Bible at home, feel free to take one of those Bibles with you today. Uh, If you're reading along on your uh, electronic device this morning, we're going to be in Ephesians, primarily Ephesians chapter 3. So go ahead and flick there. Ephesians is a small book of the Bible in the back. It's an epistle, which is a fun word to say letter. I don't know why we have to make churchy words about everything, but uh, epistle means letter. You can use that in your vocab next time you play Scrabble. If you can learn how to spell that, you can win some serious points with that. Um, Feel free to use the table of contents because it's small. I think Ephesians likes to move around the Bible on me, Um, and I've been studying it for a long time. So there's that. Um, We're concluding the series Rehab. And the whole idea about this is uh, the church, a lot of times, we come to the church more as an ER. We come to the church as, I got a problem, come fix me, and now I'm good and I'm going to leave. Um, and we kind of get what we need for this moment out of church. And then we go, whoa. And I, we just, we kind of see church in our rearview mirror. And that, to me, is kind of broken. And sometimes, even as a leadership of the church, we treat church as an ER. We just want to fix that thing that's going on on Sunday morning. But what, in reality, of how Jesus looks at the church and how Paul is setting up the church and the, and the functions of it in examining that in Ephesians, he's seeing this as more of a rehab center, as a place in which we go and we're a collection of broken people, we have a collection of messes, and we get together and we work on that mess together and we get healthier together. So that's, that's kind of what's, what I want to look at us and, and see how that, that works in our lives, how that spiritual development of, of you and of I, how we do life together and what that looks like for us and how that develops us as more of a rehab center and what that, what that means for us. So look around the room this, this morning. There's some people in here that are going to need spiritual rehab. And if you don't need it today, you're going to might need it tomorrow. Uh, this week, um, all kinds of different um, very private requests have been talked to to me. Some of them have been on the prayer chain. Some of them have not been on the prayer chain. It's one of those weeks where you're the pastor and you get to know a bunch of stuff from pe- about people. And you can't tell anybody because it's private. And you're like, okay, I'll just keep that in. And I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. But as I look around here and I see faces and I see tears and eyes, I go, we all are going to need rehab pretty bad. And how we get through that rehab is we don't do rehab by yourself. Have you ever done rehab by yourself? It is hell on earth, right? You're in a room by yourself and you're going through and some mean physical therapist lady. My mother-in-law's here who's a physical therapist is making you do this, do this stuff. And it is terrible and it's life-sucking. And there's a reason that those rehab centers have a big, um, are in a big open room and they have all the machines around, it's because you can look at other people that are suffering just as much as you, right? And that's kind of what church is like. Uh, maybe even some weeks it looks around like, man, you had a terrible week. Yeah, you did too. Uh-huh. Well, let's do this together, right? Because as I look around the room, there's people who are going to say goodbye to loved ones this week, next week. Like, we know it's going to happen. There's people, I look around this room, cancer is trying to claim lives. 
I look around this room and I see pain and I see hurt and I see the confusion that's going on in that. And what this place gets to become is a rehab center. As we deal with those issues, as we deal with the hurt, as we deal with the pain, as we deal with the pain that I feel, as we deal with the pain that you feel, we have to love each other in such a deep manner that we get through this, we get stronger, we get healthier. There will be an end to that. And so as we look at Ephesians today, that's what kind of our goal is and that's why we do church. That's why we don't just go home and do a Bible study by ourselves and call it a day and say, ooh, I grew today. That's why uh, being a monk doesn't work that well for us. We have to be in community with each other because we have to lean on each other through these crazy times. And I want to talk about, in Ephesians 3, I'm going to actually show you how you get to be a saint today. Right? Like, I know um, in Catholicism you've got to be canonized, you've got to do a miracle, you've got to do some cool stuff to be a saint neat. But in Ephesians, it talks about how you actually get to be a saint. The way in which you actually get to be a saint is you show people the depth, the width, the length, and the height of the love of God. You are the one who introduces how that. How does that work? In the the scripture, it talks about the saints of the church, they get to, when if you're a person who is showing the depth, the height, the the love of God, that's putting you into sainthood category, right? Now, the Catholic Church has a whole different realm of that. But that's what that word is used at in Ephesians. It's the family of God being the family of God is what produces sainthood. It's the church being what the church is geared to being is what produces sainthood. And so as we even just throw out that, that terminology, like when I read saint in the New Testament, I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't understand that. That's not the context. But as we really look at it, we look at what that, what that means is introducing people to the deep, the deep the deep love of God. And that is our role, that is our function, and that is what we get to do as the family of God, as we get to do as the ecclesia, another fun churchy word. But it means gathering, getting together, and loving each other. So as we enter this idea of rehab, a lot of us have gone to rehab for different things. Maybe broken bones, maybe torn muscles, maybe for addictions. We've been to rehab. And it's not fun. But the, the main, one of the main truths I want to hammer into you today is that we don't want to do rehab by ourselves. In fact, it was never designed for that anyway, especially the spiritual life. We do it in community. Uh, I remember when I was 18 years old, I was at replay physical therapy. And I had, had my shoulder, shoulder, I can't ever say shoulder. I always say shoulder. It's not correct. Um, I had my uh, rotator cuff operated on, and I'm on this really weird hand bike thing. It does this, and it hurts like heck. So you want to cheat because you want to use your left arm, but that left arm makes your right arm move, and you're like, no, I don't want to do that uh, because it hurts. And so you're kind of doing this little thing, but you're attached to a machine, so it feels like it's ripping your arm off anyway. And so you're doing that, and then you're looking around like, this really hurts. This really stinks. And then you look around, and you're like, well, at least I'm not that guy. <laughs> But the cool thing about the rehab center, about being in an open room where you can see where other people are, you, got, you see this gentleman who probably had a hip replacement or something, and one week you're in there, and he can't take a step. And the next week, he's standing up. And the next week, he's taking a few steps. And you're like, and I'm sitting there on this stupid hand bike, like, well, this is cool, uh, right? But then you're getting to see someone who couldn't walk three weeks ago now starting to walk. Same thing happens in our churches. 
There's people that come in here, maybe it's you, maybe it's me, we have an accident, we have something, the turmoil of life messes us up, it feels like our hips are broken, and we, we get crawled in here, maybe a friend drags us in here, and we come in, and we don't want to be here, and it hurts, and it's painful, and all we can do during the worship service is just weep at the mess that our life is, and then a couple weeks later, a couple months later, we start taking steps, we start walking, and life starts to get better because it's a rehab center. How do we show that? How do we do that? That's what we're going to talk about today. There's three major things that um, deal with spiritual rehab. And this is what we've been operating from the last few weeks. Spiritual rehab means working to a place of strength, being rooted in love and developing deep relationships. We're going to focus in on the developing deep relationships today. We've talked about in the past, working to a place of strength. How do we get strength? We tap into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role, job description is to be the comforter and the guide. So we tap into a place of strength. We've got to tap into the Holy Spirit. Being rooted in love, we have to root ourselves in the identity of Christ, in the identity of who Jesus is is and who he has made us to be. We root ourselves in that. It takes our shame from being the worst part of our life to leveraging it into fertile soil for us. And then today we're going to talk about developing deep relationships. Ephesians 3 verse 18. May have the power together with all the Lord's holy people. Your translation may say uh, together with the Lord's holy saints to grasp How wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? How do we grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? Together with the people of God. Together with them. We don't do that by ourselves. We don't do that in a vacuum. If we want to experience how wide, how deep, how long, how high the love of Christ is, we have to do it what? By ourselves? No. Together. And as an only child... I like doing things by myself. I'm a weird person. No comments and no amens. I am weird because as an only child, I am like a 50-50 split of an introvert and extrovert. I like being around people some days, but I also really like being by myself some days. So it's a, it's a weird thing. I don't fit any diagrams or whatever and personality traits in that. But there's this thing where it's like, I, I'll go do it by myself. I'll go be by myself. I'll go in my room. I'll figure it out. And then I'll come out and I'll be all happy and go lucky and be fine. When it comes to the kingdom and the family of God, we don't do it by ourselves. If we're wondering, well, I just I haven't experienced the love of God the way that other people say they have. I haven't ex- seen his face the way other people say I have. I wonder if you've been doing it by yourself too much. Because Ephesians 3.18, if we want to experience how wide, how long, how high, how deep the love of God is, we do it together with all the Lord's holy people. We get to experience it through the family of God. And so this idea of family is where we're really going to go for the rest of the time together. This idea of how do we become the family of God. You may be thinking, Jared, I don't like my own family. I don't want another family. Well, I promise you, the family of God is just as dysfunctional as your regular one, except we have a good father. And as good as a dad as I try to be, God the Father is better than me. And as good as your dad may have been, God the Father is better than all of that. 
And so as Ephesians 1.5 says this, God decided in advance to adopt us, underline adopt us into his own family, underline family, by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. We are in the family of God, adopted, fully a part of it. We're not halfway in. We're not kind of sort of in. We're fully in. Have you ever been adopted into another family? Like, I know there's people in here that have adopted children and are being adopted. But you know, the high school relationships or whatever where you're always at someone else's house, like so much so they set a place set at your house for you. Is that, was that just me? I had like three, four dinners a night. But I, was, what was that guy on uh, Leave it to Beaver, the kid that was always? Eddie? Eddie Haskell? Boom, Nick at night for the win right there. Uh, that was way before my time, and I still got it right. All right, uh, Eddie Haskell, you know, you're just over there all the time. One of my dear, 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 dear friends in high school, Adam Goff, the Goffs. Um, the dad looked like the guy off, uh, like, he looked like uh, Bill Cower. Like, he could have been Bill Cower, the old Steelers uh, football coach for, for Halloween. Had the goatee, looked mean all the time, kind of was mean to boys, to girls, girls all loved him because he was a sweetheart to them. Any boy that walked in, you're like, eh, uh, he's going to eat me. Uh, but uh, I'd always walk in there, and um, Mrs. Golf always, 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 always had a box of oatmeal cream pies there for me. Always. A box of OCPs. Mm. You know, I don't even know if Adam liked oatmeal cream pies, but there was always oatmeal cream pie in there. I, I can't remember a time I walked in their house, looked in their pantry, and I had pantry rights, thank you very much, and walk into Pantryville, and uh, I'd open that up, and they had like a 1940s uh, oven. It was the coolest. I don't know if they ever actually used it, but it was this cool, looked like it belonged on a spaceship type oven, and right next to it was the pantry, and you open that up, and, uh, and there was my oatmeal cream pies. And I'd always have an oatmeal cream pie. As long as I threw away my wrappers... The $1.99 oatmeal cream pies always stayed there. So that was, that was the goal. I was family. When I came home for college for the first time, I drove right past their house. I stopped at their house to say hi to the golfs before I even went home. I've never told, that's never been on public record because I didn't want my mom mad at me. But I came home for Christmas. I didn't stop. I, I could not pass the golfs residence without saying hi because I was family. That's the kind of feeling that's the kind of adoption that we're talking about here at church. That, that's, that's family. My mom performed the marriage ceremony of, of, my dad had had his head accident. He decided to do a nosedive into an orchestra pit about 13 years ago. So he was incapacitated at the moment. Um, and mom performed the wedding ceremony of, their, their, of Adam and his wife. Like, that's family, Right? That's what we do here at the church. That's the kind of, when we get adopted in, you're in. Uh, we were doing Daniel Plan at uh, my house a couple of years ago. And Daniel Plan is, uh, is, a, is a neat Bible study to go through and a neat uh, way of trying to recenter your life and, 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 and clean out the, the junk that you're eating. Really, it's, if it comes in a package, don't eat it. That's, I just saved you 200 pages of reading. <laughs> right? So if it comes in a package, don't eat it. You're, you're good to go. Um, but uh, Kevin wanted to do it as well. And so Kevin started coming to our house um, every night. Every night. Kevin would, no, no, I'm <laughs> Kevin would come to our house every night and eat. 
Um, and he would eat at our house. And so that was okay because it was like, okay, one more chicken breast and one more handful of spinach. Like that's all Daniel Plan is. So it's just, you know, okay, whatever. It's no big deal. Well, that's okay for a week. And my kids thought it was cool. And like, oh, yeah, Kevin's coming over. And then a couple more, you know, weeks are going by. And then Kevin goes from the person who is sitting at our table and kind of, you know, okay, we're, we're accommodating this because we'd like him to, you know, go through this as well. To now he's doing the dishes. This is a different, and now he's playing Pokemon with Bowen. And now he's, you know, doing this. And now he's petting our dog for an hour afterwards. Because if you ever have Kevin to your house and you have a dog, your dog will get more attention than you. That is part of Kevin. But now he becomes family and he's doing the dishes. And I'm like, dude, you don't have to do the dishes. And then finally, he's like, yeah, I do. This is, I because it went from he's a guest in our house to now he's becoming family. Right? In my house, if you come to our life group, you come over to our house, you get to get to know where everything is once. Second time, you're family. So you come over, you need a cup tough, get your own cup. Because you're family, right? You're family, you're like, oh, let me, let me get, I don't get bowing anything. Climb up on the counter, get your own bow, uh, thing. I got kids, the Salkis' kids are like, can I have water? I'm like, I'll get it. <laughs> you're like, all right, no, we don't, we don't do that. The cupboard's always empty because everyone's eating. That's okay because we have family. You're adopted in. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family. See, church, we have to move from being acquaintances and people like, oh, I think I know that person to family. And some of us, we're like, oh, well, I'm new to the church. You're not new to the church. You've been going here for seven years. It's time to become family. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know them. They're pretty new to the church. They've been coming here for six years. They're not new to the church. It's time to become family. If you have somebody come into your dinner table for six years in a row and you don't know their name, folks, we got a problem. Hello. Hi. My name is, right? It's family. We have this problem um, at, in my family. My grandma has, I think, seven brothers and sisters. And so they're a big family, and we have this huge Christmas party every year. Huge Christmas party every year. And um, so all the great uh, aunts and uncles would come, and all of their kids would come. And so then, then all their grandkids would come, right? So I'm third generation in this house. I belong because it's my grandmama, but everybody else is kind of on the, on the fringe. But so we're, we're stair-stepped this way. We've got, a, you know, legitimate ble- ble- legitimately belong here, like 50 people. And so we're having a grand old time, and there's fried chicken flowing, and there is pumpkin pie everywhere, and there's grandma's sausage balls, and there's all this food and wonderful time, and everyone's family, and we're loving it. The problem started to happen when the grandkids or the the other kids got divorces and then got new families, and then the new families started coming, and then they started bringing boyfriends and girlfriends, and then somebody else came, and now we're up to like 120 people in the basement of my grandma's house, and if you touch my fried chicken, I will cut you. Because I don't know you. <laughs> right? They're not family. <laughs> right? They are, they're not family. You don't belong here. Right? 
There's a problem with that because you've been coming for three years and you brought a different girl every single time and she's eating the pumpkin pie and I'm still not okay with this. What had happened to an awesome family gathering started, beca- started to wobble, it started to shake because there wasn't buy-in. Because literally you could walk into this house. Dean Scarcelli could walk in and say, yeah, I know Stevie Bob. Stevie Bob, there is a Stevie Bob there. This is southern Indiana. There's also a Jim Bob. So you got a 50-50 chance of getting it right. And you just walk in and you say, I'm with Stevie Bob. You could have gotten there. You could have gotten my fried chicken. You could have gotten my sausage balls. You could have gotten the pumpkin pie. You could have gotten everything. No one would have stopped you. They would have given you some side-eye what is going on, but you would have been okay to get the food. But what happened, this 18th generation of of people that didn't have any relationship wouldn't have been able to pick out my grandma out of a lineup that are coming to her house for Christmas Eve party. Taking all the food, taking all the attention, messing up the house. No buy-in. They were pseudo guests and not part of the family. And so the, the tension started to happen. And so We started pairing who got invited to Christmas dinner. This beautiful thing started to fall apart because people weren't buying in to be part of the family. Could Jared have been a little more inclusive to cousins? Probably. (laughs) I was a teenager. It's okay. Um, But as we deal with that, it's like, what's going on? There's got to be some sort of buy-in at some point. My father-in-law used to say, fish and visitors start stinking after three days, right? And say that all the time. And uh, we, there'd be a little blow up, little, uh, you know, somebody would get snappy with somebody. and Oh, fish and visitors start to stink after three days. Guess we need to go back to Indiana. Yeah, and it, it would happen all the time because there's a moment in which you go from being guests to being like, mm, okay, what's going on? So if you've been going to church here for six, seven years, and you've never become part of family, you might start getting a little of aroma, right? It's time to engage in the family. That doesn't mean family doesn't stink either, but family, you get a lot more credentials with family. Family's like, okay, well, that's family. They're weird. It is what it is. I heard the most wonderful family-oriented thing this morning before church started. A woman said to another woman's husband, I did not know that your wife was so weird. <laughs> that, is not, that is not a guest. That is not a, not, not a visitor. That is not a... a, a <laughs> no, Malia, it wasn't about you. Uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm sorry. She's like, were they talking about me? <laughs> I had no idea your wife was so weird. That is not something you say to someone that you don't know. Well, you're not supposed to. If you're wondering, you don't know. That's family talk. That's, I've gotten to know you. Oh, my goodness, you are a treasure. I identify with you more. You see the difference in that? Okay. We can laugh. We can have a, but this morning I heard that and I was like, well, that's awkward, but also so beautiful in such a way because that's a deeper relationship when I feel comfortable enough to say, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't have to have pastor face on. Hi, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. This is a difference. And family, 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 you can do that because you feel comfortable enough to know they're not jetting after five seconds. I can be myself. I can be vulnerable. I can be who I am. And you know what? They're not going to leave me on this. Family stays around the kitchen table. 
Family has these hard conversations. Family picks us up when we are down. Family keeps us humble when maybe we're getting too full of ourselves. Family loves well. And the scripture says that whole family of God, that is how you experience the depth, the width, the length, and the height of the love of God. So this is why I said we're going to have a big plug for life groups later in the message. Because guess what, folks? You want to get around a table. You want to get around a living room of somebody's house and start to experience. Go from, you know what, I'm just the guest here to now I'm experiencing the depth of love. It's through life groups. It's the easiest way that happens. I'm not just plugging a ministry uh, in our church just because I want some numbers to look good. I don't care about that. I want to see relationships happen. They don't all have to happen with me. I love it when there's somebody that's having a great relationship with somebody else and I'm not even included. Like sometimes I feel like I have to be matchmaker. Oh, let's get them together. Let's get them together. Let's get them together. No, 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 no. You just get together and I will go, woohoo. I'll be a cheerleader. How do we experience the depth and the love of God? By really loving each other and becoming the family of God. That means a few things for us though. For a family to function well, we have to communicate. We have to trust. We have to love. We have to encourage. And we have to discipline. This is what family does. And some of these things are hard. And some of you are going, man, if someone in this church tries to discipline me, I might punch him in the face. First of all, you come from a very rough family. Um, And second of all, There's some questions I have for you. You've got to be willing to submit yourself to family. My question for you is, why don't you trust people enough to let them speak into your life? Some of the best friends I have are the ones that call me out the most. They don't care about the fluff. They don't care about the stuff that I I put out. They call me out like a brother would, like, you are full of stuff, Jared. You are hurting. You're broken. You're messed up. No, 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 no. I I got this nice, shiny paint job. That's covering all that. Don't look underneath the hood because there's nothing there anymore. I'm all rusty. I got some Bondo over some stuff. The best friends are the ones that say, no, 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 no. What are you doing? You're operating under out of hurt. You're empty inside. You're a shell. I don't want to hear that. I want to smack you. But that's a brother. Where's your Humility got to be willing to let other people speak into your lives. And then, is this more about you or is it more about them? Well, they don't have the right, and they shouldn't do this. And they da, 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 da. Yeah, what are you so afraid of hiding on that one? What are you afraid of them seeing? Because if we're family, we see it. We hear it. We know it. But when we're family, we're, we actually can admit, hey, I see that you're broken. I see that you're hurting. I see that you're going through stuff. To trust, you have to forgive. This is a hard issue. But in a family, in a marriage, with your kids, with anyone, if you're going to trust them, you have to forgive them. You can't trust without forgiveness. It just doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't. If you're wondering why you have trust issues in your marriage, it's because there's forgiveness issues going on in your marriage. If you're wondering why there's trust issues with you and your child, it's because there's forgiveness issues that are going on with your child. If there's stuff at work, stuff wherever, the trust, you have to be able to forgive. You're like, I can't forgive them. Then you're not going to get past this point. 
Because if you want to trust someone, you have to be able and be willing to forgive them. The second one is to discipline, you have to trust. You have to have trust. I've been coaching uh, baseball all year long. This is the last week of the 2018 season. Praise Jesus. We finally, we finally gotten there. Uh, so we were done. This, we got two more games left, and I will be done. Coaching baseball is dramatically different than my coaching of basketball. I am a terrible basketball coach. I am horrendous. I have no idea what I'm doing at all. But those kids, I yell out, do this. They do it. They're like little sheep, and I'm the shepherd. Wah, wah, wah. They go wherever I want, do this, do that, because I've coached the same kids for three years. There's built-in trust. I'm a much better baseball coach. I actually know what I'm talking about, which is helpful for being a coach. I know, I know what I'm doing. I know what's going on. And uh, I was the all-star coach for this year. We go to the first practice. I'm like, all right, this is what we're doing. And the kids look at me like, who are you? I'm like, buddy, you are eight. You have no idea how to play this game. Because if I throw a ball at you, I will hit you in the nose. Because <laughs> you can't catch. So listen to me. But there's no trust built. Right? And so a sport that I don't know anything about, I'm a better coach for because the trust has been built. If I say, you need to do this differently, you need to do that, because this coach on YouTube showed me how to be a better coach, you, you've got to do these things different, they'll listen to it because I can discipline them because there's three years of trust built up. If my son doesn't trust me, I can't discipline him. If the family in here doesn't trust me, we can't discipline each other. And this discipline, this iron sharpening iron, this, this saying, hey, I, I, I believe in you. And this part, you've shared this about your marriage, and if you want to do this differently, this is what's got to happen. There's got to be some mutual trust in there. This is a big ask of me. I understand that. But if we're going to experience the depth and the width and the length and the height of the love of God, if we're going to be those vessels, we've got to be willing to receive and to give discipline. So often in church, we're like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to tell. I'm not judging anybody else. I'm not going to tell them what to do. No, no, no. I'm just speaking life into you. Hey, you're running off an edge. If I'm going to judge you, if you're being a bad driver and you're going 70 miles per hour and the road is out, I'm like, hey, slow down, knucklehead. Don't judge me. All right, you're going to die. Like, well, I I didn't want to judge anybody. Some of the people in the seats next to you are going 100 miles per hour and the road's out in front of them and you're so afraid of, I don't want them to think I'm judging me. No, slam on the brakes. You can kill yourself. Maybe that looks like in the way you're parenting. Maybe that looks the way in which your, your marriage is. Maybe it's the way in which you're, you're living your life. It's not judging, it's love. Now there's ends to that. You can do that terribly. But in the confines of trust, of caring and of loving people, to discipline you have to trust to listen, you have to care. To listen, you have to care. Now, we all have, if you have a child, there's that, those moments in which your kid starts to talk to you. And they are talking about something that you absolutely, can we just be real? Absolutely do not care at all about. If I hear about one more Pokemon card, Jesus help me. Amen. <laughs> Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I just don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. But it matters to you. So it's got to start 
mattering to me. To listen, you have to care. And I'll find myself. So I got things going on in my head. Kelly's got stuff going on in her head. We're just trying to survive and make sure everyone's clean and clothed and fed. Like that was the goal of the day. Are you dirty? A little. Is it passable? Okay, we're good to go. You know, get out the door. Like that's, that's all I care about. I don't care about this stuff. But it mattered to you, buddy. So I better slow down and listen. To listen, we have to care. And some of us in our coworkers, some of us even in the people in this church, we've got to-do lists that are going through our head, and we need to be the family of God. And to listen, we have to care. Because how are we going to see the love of God, the depth of the love of God, the width of the love of God, the height of the love of God, and the length of the love of God? It's how we love each other. To care, you have to love. We don't care about things that we don't love. <clears throat> There's an investment in the things I love. I don't kind of, sort of, maybe love my kids. I love my children. They might not always feel like that when I've yelled at them or disciplined them. Or Last night, we did a conveyor belt. Bowen just was in a, a tood, and he came downstairs. He picked on his sister. But he didn't know I could hear him because he was in the other room. Uh... All that means is my arms can't reach you, buddy. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, Bon, go upstairs. Boom, 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 boom. A couple minutes passed. I was preparing this message. I was preparing this message, going over it while this was happening. And uh, he goes, and I was like, you want to come back downstairs, try again? Yes. First thing, Kendall, eh, little sisters have that wine that, that grates people down the back. <laughs> Bowen, go upstairs. I mean, immediately. He was downstairs 10 seconds and had to go back up. He didn't think I loved him, but I do love him. I'm showing him, hey, buddy, this attitude issue is not the solution to whatever problem you think you've got right now. It's also you're not hijacking the rest of the night because of your attitude issues. Amen. (laughs) But I love him. I love him so much, I'll continue to do that. I love him so much to make him mad at me. I love him so much because you know what? If he's in trouble, I will go through fire. I'll go through a wall. I will do anything to get to him. And folks, that same love and that same feeling, we are adopted into the family of God. And so when we say we're part of this family, we look around this room and instead of seeing people that are acquaintances, we need to start seeing other children of God that when we look at Jill Scarcelli and she's hurting, we say, you know what? There's a brick wall in between us and I will break that thing down for her. And the same for every single person in this room. Because that's what we do and that's where we get to see the width, the depth, the length, and the height of the love of God. That's where it comes from. And sometimes I go, God, I don't feel you loving me. I don't, I don't feel that depth of love. I, don't, I haven't seen you. I haven't heard you in a long, long time. And almost every single time I can say those sentences, and I'm, I'm praying that, it's because I've isolated myself away from the kingdom of God. I've pulled away from the very people who will love me. And folks, I'm asking some big stuff today. I'm asking you to be vulnerable in front of people maybe that you don't know very well. But here's the deal. In that vulnerability, in that revealing of yourself, you get to experience the depth of the love of God.
in this moment, in this time, in this morning, I want us to think about how we've been treating church. How we've been dealing with the issues of our life. How we've been going about. Are we treating people as family? Are we treating them as guests? Are we treating them as acquaintances? Because there's people in this room, there's people in this church, there's people that call this place home. We don't have membership here at the church. I had somebody ask me this week, how many members do we have at the church? I said, oh, I'm members. We have people that call this place home. And if that's the attitude that we're going to try to have, that's what we have to step into to say, who calls this home? Who do I call family? Who do I call brother? Who do I call sister? As we see kids running in and out of this place and having a good time, and you see um, a kid maybe with like 18 cookies in their hands, you have the authority to say, hey, buddy, maybe you shouldn't have 18 cookies. You want to know why you have that authority? It's because... You are part of their family. Now they're like, I got one. If they can name what every cookie's going to, because Bowen would do that. He'd be like, well, this one's for my sister, and this one's for Hunter, and this one's for... Da-da. And I'm like, all right, now follow him and make sure he does it. <laughs> uh, but you know, they can pull that off. We get to love each other. We get to care about each other. And through that, we get to experience the depth of who God is. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for today. And thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. Lord, I ask you to be with us. I ask you to guide us. I ask you to shape us. I ask you to move in us. God, as we deal with the hurt, as we deal with the hangups, as we deal with the issues that we have, as we deal with the pain that's coming, Lord, that we, everyone in this room would know they are not alone. They don't have to face this battle by themselves. That there's people in here that want to love them, want to care about them. God, there's this trick of Satan that we have to do everything by ourselves. That we have to be alone. God, would you take away our pride? That we would know we can be in community. We can be in family. That you love us. And in that love and in that care, we get to see your fullness and your glory. God, we have issues this week. My, it's one of those weeks it's just hard to be a pastor, God. I'm just going to be honest. And so, Lord, there's, there's so much pain in so many people's lives this morning. And, God, I, I don't know if it's my hands. I don't know if it's my words. I don't know if it's somebody else's hands and words and, and actions this morning. But I, I ask that your love would be made manifest in this place this morning. That it would be tangible. That we could feel it. We would know it. And we'd know that we are adopted into your family. That we are part of, of your, your, the family of God. We're not alone. We haven't been left alone. We're not kicked to the side. We're not out in the cold. We're invited to your table. Lord, for those of us that are hurting this morning and just hearing these words and yearning for someone to speak into our lives, God, I, I, I ask you to prompt. I ask you to prompt conversations this morning that that people would be amazed by the God conversations they have following the service through this week. 
that your Holy Spirit would lay it on our hearts, lay people on our hearts so heavy that we couldn't help but call. We couldn't help but write a note. We couldn't help but reach out. God, I ask you to give us the strength. I ask you to give us the courage to be able to, to be this kind of family member, to move people from acquaintances to family. Lord, I ask for your peace and I ask for your strength. I ask for your wisdom. Lord, we love you. We're trying to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.